Welcome to Risky Business, a show where we get to explore new and innovative ways to understand and reduce risk by bringing together some of the leading professionals in the transportation and the insurance industry. My name is Scott Grandis. I hope you enjoy the show. Let's kick it off. Welcome back to Risky Business. This is by far my favorite time in my days. It is when we get to get creative, we get to explore cool things, we get to teach, which at my older age here, you can see by the gray, um, is, uh, is something that I enjoy more and more. And today, I am happy to bring out, and Flint, before I say your, your home, why just did. frog legs. We're going to get to the frog leg story. <laughs> we have got to tell that story on this podcast. But anyhow, I've got Flint from Truck Spy. We have partnered with Truck Spy, and uh, they've got an amazing product, which I'm not going to talk about. I'm going to let Flint talk about it. So, Flint, tell us a little bit about Truck Spy. Tell us a little bit about what you do, and we will get into that frog leg story in a minute. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Well, thanks thanks for having me on, Scott. This is it's a lot of fun. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, a little bit about Truck Spy. So, I'm CEO, founder. I guess, quick backstory, I owned a, two trucking companies, actually. Found managing them day-to-day was just pure misery. I mean, it was a lot of phone calls. It was always putting out fires. It wasn't thinking strategically. And so once I sold those companies, I kind of took a step back. And so that was really kind of where TruckSpy was born. You know, we started just automating all your compliance, like all your paperwork that you have to file with IFTA and the state and all this. And and slowly and surely, our customers said, hey, can you do this and can you do that? And uh, we kept saying yes, which, you know, maybe in hindsight, we bit off more than we could chew, but we, we built really cool products for trucking. So think of us as all the tech that you need in the cab of the truck and most of the tech that you need in the back office. So dash cameras, ELDs, document scanning, turn-by-turn navigation, dispatching and workflows, I mean, pretty much you name it, we do it. It needs to be done at the cab of the truck. And then in the back office, like the fleet manager gets full visibility on where everybody is, not only like in terms of GPS, but in terms of their day and their dispatch and their efficiency and their safety. And we help managers coach drivers and be more effective, help their drivers be more effective and more productive and safer. And we take people look, we take a lot of pride, not only in what we build, but the outcomes that our customers get by working. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'm going to start with a focus on the cameras. Yeah. Because I can't even imagine how many times you guys run into this because I run into it a lot. And when people say, oh yeah, we put cameras in trucks. I'm like, really? What kind of cameras? Like, you know, the ones that capture the event. Yeah. The ones I bought on Amazon for $69. Yeah, exactly. So I always relate that to when people tell me they run a background check because a background check is not a background check is not a background check uh, for anybody that knows anything about background checks. So for everybody listening, tell us a little bit about cameras and tell us why they're different than the AI cam. Yeah, sure. So we actually have like a whole white paper on this, Scott. I'll paraphrase this. This is, this is something that we have researched a lot. Not all dash cameras are created equal especially when you start getting into the commercial fleet space and the stuff that you need to be watching. I mean, the first kind of, let's call it black and white separation are cameras that are connected to the cloud and those that aren't. So a lot of people get on Amazon, they buy something, they put an SD card in it, they stick on the windshield. 
this camera is literally doing you no good whatsoever until you have an accident and then you hope that it was working and plugged up and that your SD card wasn't full. It gives you no ability as a fleet manager to monitor and coach and train and help your drivers be better and avoid accidents. It literally just serves to capture accidents. Maybe it captures accidents. And then you can have the cloud connected camera where, you know, typically G-Force triggered, right? They're going to uh, perhaps offload a video, a short 30-second clip or 20-second clip every time a driver slams on their brakes or accelerates quickly or whatever the case may be. And uh, and that's a little bit better, right? I mean, but you still miss with that a whole bunch of intelligence that you can get when you start applying AI onto that. So like, for example, if my camera only captures when I slam on the brake, well, what if I run a red light and I never touch the brakes? Or what if I look at my phone and I text and I'm, my eyes are off the road for like 10 seconds, but I never slam on the brakes, right? So we, we end up missing a whole bunch of data that, for example, our cameras capture that are actual indicators of real risk. Because every time you slam on the brakes, like, sure, that's maybe risky. It, you may actually be avoiding hitting a pedestrian, so it may be safe. Like, we're actually able to parse all of that stuff out on the edge, on the camera, and then offload what the camera thinks is, or the AI thinks, is worth a fleet manager's attention. So it does two things, right? It, it gives you a really good risk assessment of your drivers. It gives you ammunition to coach your driver so you can say, hey, Scott, I can tell that you know, you're looking at your phone a lot, and I, we might want to have a conversation about phone usage in a commercial vehicle. It also tells you when your driver's doing a good job. It'll identify defensive driving and say, you need to go congratulate Scott for slowing down and maintaining safe following distance while he was in traffic, right? That's a, that's a good behavior. So you, you get that ammunition, but then as a fleet manager, like your time's very valuable, so you don't have to sift through hours and hours and hours of footage to try to uncover these insights. Like you just open up the screen and they're all, they're all there. It's a very small piece of your debt if you're a fleet manager to keep these things in check. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I, I'm telling you, I, well, I've seen the, the the demos and the footage. It's it's pretty incredible uh, what you guys are processing. And you know, for me, the notifications and the coaching is huge. You know, I'm sure you've heard these before. If not, you've heard me talk about them. But we're always exploring risk at different levels, right? And and how do you how do you take the same ball that has been looked at? time and time and time and time again and look at it differently right and i think when i when i think about the differences between what you just described cameras versus ai you had the ones that you see i mean i can't tell you how many times i've taken an uber and they got that cheap little camera up by the mirror like dude that ain't that ain't no very little yeah very little yeah well and the other thing we see is that you know i kind of have that category in the middle of cloud connected but not using ai a lot of people claim oh we yeah, we, we definitely have AI cameras. But then if you actually look at the data stream, like it's heartbreaking and distraction. It's a heartbreak and a traffic light. So what they're doing is the camera triggers on heartbreaking and they're post-processing the cloud to assign some extra thing to it, right? And you're still missing the stuff that didn't originate with the heartbreak. And look, here's the other thing that we found, Scott, and we've got this on the cameras, but live and audible coaching for the driver. So if I look at my phone, the camera tells me that I'm distracted. If I run a stop sign, it tells me that I ran a stop sign. And and what we see in the field is that 
this little tick, right? This like little alert, pretty minor in terms of what a driver is going to deal with all day. Over like a three to four week period, it actually reduces those risky observations by like 75 to 80 percent. We've seen it, I don't know, hundreds of vehicles, right? Over and over and over you accounts that we monitor and you're literally reducing risk. And and like you said, there's all kinds of different layers of risk. And so as a fleet manager, like you've done a parse too, well, you know, what's my hiring criteria? What's my, you know, in and out of trucks, such trips and falls policy is going to be. Same thing with cameras. You got to figure out what your policies going to be and to what level do you want to manage, measure, and coach, right? And kind of what we've really seen is that if you put a positive emphasis and a carrot out there to say, look, we're just going to be best in class. You're in simple. We're going to have best in class technology. We're going to have best in class drivers. And we're going to operate safely every day. And you make that company principle right across the organization. You see just really phenomenal results. Yeah. I love the fact that the cameras do that kind of coaching, like on, I call it coaching on demand, whatever you want to call it. But, yep. you know, when something happens, that trigger, you know, I've heard folks talk about in the past, oh, shouldn't do that, uh, you know, could be a distraction, whatever. I, I totally disagree. I think it's, if you want to label it, it's a good distraction, right? It's something that is causing that driver to be cognizant of the fact that, crap, I did it again. Right. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm in the middle of doing something and one of my kids or, or Chrissy or somebody will be like, Oh, hey, do you realize that he just did what I told you to do? And I'm like, What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you every time it happens. And then you start to realize, wow, I do that a lot. I think that's that's incredible. And the other thing that I think is really incredible about the the AI cameras that you guys have, that inward facing technology, I think the distraction, the we uh, one of the other podcasts I did uh, was with uh, a nutrition uh, Mark Manera talked about nutrition and fitness and one of the statistics and I might be off by a point or two but it's something like thirty one or thirty two percent of all crashes as recorded by the NTSB um, involved fatigue. Yep. And so you know I you get this this kind of I mean I'm sure you've heard this too somebody's watching me right in my truck. Yeah, um, of course. I, I I think that there needs to be a shift in the mentality on that because I don't consider it watching. I consider it helping, right? I, I consider that inward-facing technology that you guys have and that you use and that, that that is involved in all this is being something that is a positive for that driver. I mean, fatigue. If you can get that driver to snap and be like, you know what? I really do need to pull over because I'm fatigued. You're protecting them, Right. You know, if you're saying, hey, listen, we know that distractions are big and we see you're distracted, stop it. That's protecting them. So I don't know. But what are your thoughts on all that? I think it's amazing. I think it's incredible. And I think it's on the forefront of stopping something before it happens. Yep. But, um, yeah, you're you're exactly right. And we deal with this pushback all the time, right? We deal with this line of questioning and conversation. And first glance, I think that drivers feel like it is invasive. The reality well, first, the industry, this is the direction that the industry has to go because of litigation. If you really don't want to get cameras, you should probably lobby your state legislature for 4%. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, to be completely honest, right? Otherwise, cameras are going to be reality because it's really the only way of exonerating the driver in front of a jury. And we've seen that over and over again. 
So drivers, you know, at first don't like it. And then what we see is that, well, first, if the fleet positions it correctly, they can get minimal pushback. So if you just, your drivers show up Monday morning and you put cameras in the trucks, they're going to talk to them and tell them every time that they're distracted, they're going to say, what the hell? They're going to be upset. But if you get everybody together and you say, guys, here's why we're getting cameras, you know, insurance, accidents, we want to protect you, et cetera. We've got a script for this I can share. You're going to get some pushback and then you're going to have to explain how the camera works. So like we've got really advanced privacy features and I can't speak for all, you know, everybody making cameras, but like if the trucks, if the wheels aren't turning, the inward facing camera's not turned on. It's very obvious, like there's status lights on it, like the driver knows when the inward facing camera is watching and when it's not. And you may still get pushback. And then eventually all your drivers will come around. The first driver in the fleet that gets exonerated from an accident. We've seen this, like we've had several staged accidents that we exonerated truck drivers. Accidents that could have resulted in the driver going to jail that they not had a camera and the fleet being sued for $20 million or whatever the number is. And we're able to pull that footage and show, I mean, I remember one example, a lady pulled, like, stop in a stop sign, saw the truck was coming, pulled out, got hit by the truck, gets out of the car. All this is on camera, right? She's perfectly fine. She's talking to the drivers in a good mood. Highway patrolman shows up. She falls on the pavement, her back, her neck, her needed ambulance, all of this stuff. And before you know it, one of these accident attorneys is on the scene. Right. And this is going nowhere fast. This is going to be a big deal, yada, yada, yada. And then once we send the footage over, the accident attorney refuses to take the case. The highway patrolman writes the lady that has evidently injured a ticket. Like the tide shifted very dramatically. Right. Uh, and uh. so, you know, that, like, obviously, we, we won that driver's love and the camera won that driver's love. And what does he do? Well, he goes and tells all of his friends around the water cooler that work for this trucking company and all their neighbors and every driver that he meets, right? This really interesting story that he escaped, uh, you know, it, it was his fault and then it wasn't his fault. And this is, this makes for good water cooler banter. And so all of a sudden, right, you've made a whole bunch of fans. out of this, And that's where, that's literally what the tech is there to do. It's uh-huh. there to get the driver home safe at night. And it's there to protect them from the general public at large. Because look, let's, Basis, Scott, like truck drivers make mistakes sometimes and get in accidents, but a whole lot of the time, well, always it's the truck driver's fault until proven otherwise. And a lot of times it's actually not their fault. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And, you know, for me, I mean, you and I have talked about risk and scoring and all these data points. And, you know, I think the other way people need to look at all of this is... I'm I'm gonna put on my old man education hat now. <laughs> my great, my great, my gray is gonna pop. When you look at the percentage of drivers who realize what is involved in analyzing the premium and the deductibles. So if we talk insurance just for a minute, they don't know. They have no, no. idea what's being looked at. And if you roll that up to a fleet owner, which most fleets are less than twenty units. They have no idea what's no, being all when it comes to premium. As opposed to, like, if you or I were to go and buy a house, we know, okay, they're going to look at our credit score. They're going to look yep. at our income. They're looking at our debt ratio, right? We know the things that are going to be looked at. Freaks don't know this. And I think the more that the message gets out 
that these cameras, not only do they protect you in a way that you just stated, that story, by the way, is absolutely phenomenal. You should tell that story all the time because it's, that's, that's what we're talking about here, right? It's protection. Yep. And, you know, the more that people realize that one, it's here to protect and two, the, the data and the analytics that come from the cameras and, and all of the things is related to safety and safety is what's being looked at when it comes to insurance. So I think there's a ways to go yet on telematics and ELDs, and the AI cameras and all this stuff and these fleets thinking that somebody's looking over their shoulder. Now it's not as bad as it used to be. If I rewind the clock to 2019, when we did our first, you know, just regular telematics and trucks. Yeah. Oh man. You, you saw those fleets with all 1999 trucks. Right. You're like, oh yeah. <laughs> they're, they're running from the ELDs. They got oh, six yeah. 99s on the road. Get out of here. Come on. Yep. Um, but yep. no, I think, I just think it needs to be positioned that it, it's, you know, it's more about protection and teaching than it is anything else. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's about making your fleet safer, make, you know, from a driver's perspective, making them safer and fleet, look, fleet owners have to tell a story. Like, I don't know, Scott, I run, like we run across a lot of fleets who have not really nailed down their safety policies, have not really implemented technology. They're not building the case that they are going to be in business for the next 50 years and be safe and win in the market, yeah. right? And, and insurance companies on the other side of this are like kind of wanting and expecting fleets to do these things. Like how can you run a business and not have a written policies and procedures, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's there's kind of this disconnect. And so I heavily encourage fleet owners, like even if you have five trucks, think like you've got a, you know, like, Build your build your business as if you have a hundred trucks from a systems processes and tech perspective, so that when you grow that big, because you will if you do a really good job, right? Like you're gonna already have the tools in place, and insurance is gonna look at that and they're gonna be super impressed. Like let's let's be honest, Scott. How many under twenty truck companies do you see that have really done a good job at managing all levels of safety that you talked about? No, I mean. Yeah. I mean, most of the trucking, the small trucking companies that, that, that our team deals with, the driver, one of the drivers is the owner. Is the owner. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I too had a a trucking business back in the day and I remember, you know, first I bought a cargo van and the cargo van started moving lots of stuff and bought a, a, a first straight truck that was moving. And then we took on Home Depot. Uh, which this was rare. It was very, very new. I was on the very beginning stage of this. We would deliver in Cleveland. We started with one store, then two, then five, then six. Anything that didn't go on a flatbed. Well, every time that I would start a new truck up, I would drive it until it was profitable, and then I would put somebody in it. Right until you get to a certain level. Well, the first, the first truck, they think they're like, oh yeah, we have a two man delivery. I'm like, you have one two man delivery. Out of 40 stops from four stores. You think I'm going to put a second person in that truck? Heck no. You know, but I remember the days where I'm making a delivery with these big double French doors for the back of a house, balancing it, pushing the button on the lift gate, and the phone rings. You know, that's, yeah, in my mind, that's what a lot of these trucking companies are. And yeah, but you got to get out of the truck, Scott. You got to get, I mean, this is my advice all yeah. the time. I've, like, I owned, I was in it. I know. 
I know how it goes. A driver doesn't show up for work. You got to go get, or just like what you're saying, I need to buy it. You know, I'm going to add to the fleet. Well, I'll just go drive. And you can do that. The problem is that, and you've been here, right? It is impossible to work strategically and build your business and focus on the things that are really important to growing the business when you're behind a You can't take phone calls. Like, you're either going to be good at one thing or the other. And if you want to be a driver, that's great. Like, there are plenty of successful other operators out there. If you want to be a fleet owner and grow a business, you've got to get out of the truck and get focused on business. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, I have all these statements in my head. They may mean nothing at the end of the day, but the things I've picked up along the way. And one of them is, you know, one of the folks that I I, I had as part of my business life for a while uh, used to always say, listen, it's time for me to work on the business, not in the not in the business. Yep. Yeah. And and I think that if there's any small truckers listening today, that that, that is the, the one big thing I think is critical, right? Like you got to get out of that truck. You're so right. Yep. Because the moment that I did, things started to change. In the middle of that, you know, you got a claim here and you're like, oh, crap, we just we just broke a window. Here's another $500 out. That truck's not profitable today. You know what I mean? It was just stupid stuff that could have been avoided. Yeah. yeah. With, with training, with policy, with exactly. And so that's the kind of stuff like when you're, because I remember I drove a flatbed for like six months. We were hauling pipe. But we had this, this huge contract, which was a great deal because, you know, the owner of the fleet to get a contract hauling pipe for shell. And so, but we had to move X number of loans in a certain period of time. And these were like, I don't remember, from somewhere in Southern Louisiana to like down at Gulf Coast. And so, you know, big, complicated, expensive loads that are like going to an offshore drilling rig. There was a lot involved. I was thrilled to have the business. But in order to meet that deadline, I was short drivers. I had to get the truck. So I drove for like six months. And the reality was, anytime I was in that truck, everything else, like the stuff that you're talking about, I got insurance stuff i've got accounting i got payroll i've got hiring and firing and dealing with the customer and maintenance and i've got all of this stuff that's like my secondary priority now that i'm behind the wheel of the truck You're and right. so everything else in my business went to complete hell right we did successfully meet the deadline on this contract but then i mean then like i had so much work ahead of me to get everything clean right like my PL didn't look that great. I had accounting problems, like all just because as a business owner, I was unfocused on managing day to day. And so, you know, look, if you're a small fleet owner listening, like, and you're probably thinking, because I've heard this before, well, I can't afford to hire another driver. Well, if you can't afford to hire another driver and the owner of the company get out of the truck, right? Like maybe, maybe you're in the wrong business. Maybe you need to rethink your business strategy, your pricing, your customers, your freight. Like, You've got to make an adjustment somewhere because if you can't, you know, if you can't afford to spend time managing your business, you need to work on your business, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, something's broken. <laughs> something's not working. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. So I have two more questions and I think they're both fun. Uh, so the first question is all of these cameras, all of this footage, there's got to be a funny story in there somewhere. And if there is, I got to hear it. They can protect the industry. You don't just have to say where or how, or you can keep it clean, whatever. Yeah, there, I will give you, well, there's some somewhat lewd stories, Scott. I'm going to keep it clean. <laughs> so the camera will pick up G-Force. Like if the truck is stopped and the ignition is off, and imagine you're sitting in a truck stop and some swift driver is trying to back into the spot next to you and he hits your truck right? 
So we're going to pick that up and, and record it. Or if somebody tries to break into the truck while it stops somewhere, we're going to pick that up and record. Well, there was once a driver who was at a truck stop and created enough G-force in the sleeper for the camera to activate and begin recording the situation, right? And the inward, in this situation, like the inward facing camera never turns on because the wheels aren't moving, but uh, for the privacy purposes, but the outward facing, and these guys had the, had like the 360 degrees. So we got a right and a left. And so it turns on and it, and it records like this eight minute clip of this truck moving around. Let's leave it at that. And kind of that- towards the end of the clip, the lot lizard, I guess, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Uh, uh, makes, you know, an Irish exit out, out of the passenger door. Uh, uh, and so that was one of the funnier stories. But, and, and the only reason, like, I, you know, I don't watch every video. Like, we don't watch every video that comes across Odyssey Network. We don't have time to do that. But this particular fleet called, it was like, hey, I got this alert, but I don't know, like, why did Dick record this alert? Like, what's the, why is this hitting my dashboard? So then I had to go watch it and explain to me what I felt going on. Is that, oh, how does that fit that, the bill? <laughs> Now, you know what? I'm going to put that in the category <laughs> of funny and, you know, clearly that person was just exercise. Yeah, he was just exercising, <laughs> right? And so, uh, you know, so then the fleet asked me, they're like, well, have you seen this before? Like, how do we handle this? And I was like, that I'm not, I'm not touching that on a 10 foot pole. Like, <laughs> I, I will delete the video if you want me to delete the video so that, you know, it's not here, but um, it's, yeah. <laughs> That's, that isn't up to you. <laughs> oh my God. Calisthenics. That's it. Yeah. The other one that is cleaner is there was a driver who, I, this has to be a world record. The guy cooked lunch, like had a, like he basically unfolded a kitchen and, and then we're watching for distractions. So we're like, went on the road 70 miles an hour. And the guy literally starts pulling stuff out of cabinets and plugging things in to like an inverter and he sets up a kitchen right there in the passenger seat while he's while driving, he's down driving? The road. while he's driving down the road puts uh, a pot of rice on right like on a like a little bunsen burner you know, like a one burner like a camp stove but it's plugged into the inverter puts it on a pot of rice right and then whips out a frying pan fries him up some chicken <laughs> i mean this is all like over you know a fairly long period of time while we're cloaked, we're like in, I don't even remember what state we were in. We were somewhere kind of out country, like the Dakotas or somewhere. And and cooks his lunch and then proceeds to wash his dishes, right? <laughs> and then eat with chopsticks as he drives down the road. <laughs> like has to be a has to be a, like gotta be a world record, certainly. And same thing, right? Fleet call is like, I got this really long video and it looks like my driver's also being a chef. <laughs> Have you seen this before and what do we do about it? Because you know what? Like a lot of people call us for advice. And so uh, once again, I would maybe talk about distraction, but the guy's eating healthy, right? He's in the he's in the lane. Like I would probably, you know, request that he stays a little more focused on the road. Other than that, I don't know what to do about it. Right? Uh, 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 uh. Get his recipe? Yeah, I did his recipes. I guess. I don't know. I mean, Oh, that's awesome. Those are, you'd be surprised though. I mean, drivers, you know, they're pretty skilled. (laughs) (laughs) Multitasking at its greatest. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's awesome. I love those stories. That's great. That's great. Yeah. 
Okay, so now the last question. Frog legs. You got to tell the story. Are you telling it or am I telling it? No, you got to tell it. You tell it better than I tell it. You say it with such enthusiasm. (laughs) (laughs) This was the first time you and I got together face-to-face, right? We were at Chattanooga, Tennessee. We had gone down for the F3 uh, Freightways, like Future of Freight Convention. I think it was the first night of the convention, and we had both gotten in town, and we were wanting to go to dinner, so we we booked a reservation at whatever the local, like, steakhouse was there. I don't don't remember of it. I mean, it was, you know, relatively nice place, right? Like probably the nicest place in Chattanooga, but I, I don't know, right? I mean, it was a, it was a good steak dinner. And yeah. so we get the menu and they ask us what we want for appetizers. Well, we'd already been at the cocktail hour, right? For the convention for, I don't know, an hour or two, you know, business mixer, have two drinks on the house. And the first item on the appetizers was frogs, fried frogs. Well, <laughs> I couldn't resist. So I ordered them and I was, I was expecting like a presentation, sort of like chicken nuggets, right? <laughs> I mean, I was thinking it's got to be a little bit kind of like a gamey chicken. Well, they showed up right with this platter with all of these frogs, and they were fried, but they they had imagine if you take like a big toad and you cut him in half right down the middle, and you take his back half and you just dump him in a fryer. That was really kind of what it was, right? But then they had like presented it, and each frog was splayed out, kind of spread eagle on top of each other, and it was like a pyramid of of frog feet and hindquarters, essentially, with the butt still intact. And so the way you had to eat these, Scott's cracking. So the way that you had to eat these, right, is like. Scott grabbed one foot, I grabbed the other foot, and we both pull, and we get a frog leg. <laughs> oh, so, my God. Uh, yeah, it was a good story. We were all, like, a little taken aback by the presentation. But the frog legs weren't bad. Like, I mean, they were kind of, I mean, you were eating an amphibian. Like, it was kind of like eating steak or, you know, anything, anything else. It's fried amphibian. So, or no, so reptile. You know, Not an amphibian, a reptile. I, I don't know my animal. So, you know, you know, it's funny. Like, I, I say this a lot on these. Like, dude, this is not pre Like, we don't pre-rehearse this. We don't pre-record it. We think about it a couple of days. I, I had no idea that we were going to go from a guy making fried chicken <laughs> and rice in his truck <laughs> and parlay the, that into The pyramid into frog. of frog legs? Yep. There you go. You never One know what you're going to get. Another. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> You know, it's risky business ordering frog legs at a steakhouse. You don't know what you're going to do. Yeah, too bad we didn't have an inward-facing camera for that. I know, I know. We should have, you know, we should have probably tapped for that. And we, yeah, we still joke about that to this day. <laughs> it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. Well, cool. Well, listen, Flint, always a pleasure. Thank, thanks for being on. I hope people took away from this two big key things that I, I heard. One is. It's not about privacy. It's about protection, right? The cameras are there to protect the drivers and what they're doing because they're, they're a target. They're a target. And the second thing is for the small fleets, and there's a lot of them out there, you know, you got to work on the business and think about safety and think about cameras and think about risk and how that affects premium and losses and, and you know, some of the major, major costs in, yep. in a fleet's business. Those are my two big takeaways. I don't know if you've got any other takeaways as we wrap up. Yeah, I, I will just reiterate work on the business. I mean, if I look at, you know, we're in this market as you are a lot and 
There's roughly 20,000 companies that enter the market, new DOT numbers every month. There's roughly 25,000, at least currently, that leave. Don't be one of the 25,000 that leave. It's a competitive marketplace. Um, make your business better, impress customers, build better revenue, control cost, and you'll be profitable and here for the long run. And the only way you can do that is by working on the business. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Well, listen, thanks for being on. Yeah. We'll see you again soon. And uh, we won't be having frog legs. Wow. Yeah, well, and that was going to be actually another takeaway, right? If you're in Chattanooga, go order the frog legs. That's right. If you're in Chattanooga, <laughs> go order the frog legs. <laughs> yeah, thanks, thanks, Scott. This was fun. All right, cool. Peace. See ya. I hope you enjoyed our show today. Remember, when it comes to creativity and innovation, I always like to quote one of my favorite lines out of the movie Tommy Boy. If you ain't growing, you die. There ain't no third direction. My name's Scott Greenbus. I'll see you on the next show. Peace.